Hello, my name is Allison Warren. and I'm the Chief Editor of Orthodontic Products. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast episode of In the Sterilization Room with Jackie, where we talk to infection, infection prevention expert Jackie Dorse about what you need to know to keep the orthodontic team and patients safe during the COVID-19 pandemic and beyond. For over 30 years, Jackie has been a consultant specializing in instrument sterilization and infection control and prevention in the dental setting. She has degrees in microbiology and dental hygiene and has been a featured speaker at the American Dental Association and the American Association of Orthodontists. Now, today for our topic, we're going to talk, be talking about eye safety in orthodontics, and joining us to offer her expertise is Dr. Marie Fluent. Dr. Fluent is both is a graduate of the University of Michigan School of Dentistry. Her dental, dental career spans 35 years and includes roles as a dentist, both as an associate and a practice owner, infection control coordinator, office manager, and dental assistant. Additionally, she has extensive experience and expertise as a clinical instructor, educator, speaker, author, and consultant. Now, Dr. Fluent's focus is improving infection, dental infection control and patient safety. Through her writing, webinars, and invited lectures, she has educated thousands of dental professionals and students nationally and internationally, and she has written numerous articles on infection control in the dental setting, OSHA compliance, and responsible antibiotic pre prescribing. She serves as the education consultant for the organization, organization of Safety, Asepsis, and Prevention, otherwise known as OSAP. Marie, thank you for joining us today, and Jackie, great to see you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for inviting me to attend this. It's an honor to be here. Great. Well, um, Jackie, you and I had talked about Dr. Flu or Marie's presentation at the recent OSAP meeting, and you recommended that we do an episode on this topic. Why do you think orthodontists need to know about this? Well, Allison, as I was listening to my dear friend Marie and colleague uh, talk about eye safety and dentistry, it came back to me, oh my gosh, so much of this information is significant for orthodontic offices and the risk that they have for unique eye injuries as they provide clinical care for the orthodontic patients. So I thought, oh, it would be so helpful to all of the viewers to hear what uh, Dr. Marie has to say and how we can work safely and prevent those potential eye injuries in the orthodontic practice. So I'm gonna let you um, ask Dr. Marie Fluent, my good friend and infection prevention colleague, uh, go through what we can do to help orthodontic practices. Great, well, Marie, let's talk about where you developed your passion for this topic. Now I know from talking to Jackie, it comes from your own personal history. Can you tell us about that? Yes, I'll just give you the nutshell version. And I want to be clear from the beginning that um, I have an eye injury or an uh, eye disease in my left eye where my left eye is blind. But I need to be clear that it has nothing to do with being, uh, it's not occupational related at all. Um, it was a stroke type of injury where the lights went out on my left hand eye. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, my passion stems from that because it really uh, stressed to me that we're only granted one set of eyeballs in our life and we must do everything that we can do to protect them. And there are numerous sources of uh, injury that may occur in the dental setting or orthodontic setting and, and we have to protect them. And um, uh, if, when you lose your sight, it's uh, very, very emotional. And for me, it cut me to the core, almost like the death and, or loss of a loved one. And uh, with that passion, I developed um, a, a 
passion for eye safety and dentistry. And that's what compelled me to develop this course and really research eye safety and dentistry. Wow. Well, that's, yeah, no, he's definitely, definitely a passion for you. Now, in your own dental practice, you actually had an incident where an assistant experienced an eye chemical exposure incident. What, what happened there? And was this before or after you had had your experience? Well, it's before my eye experience. And by the way, I just want to uh, tell you that uh, with my eye injury or my vision loss on my left hand side, it put an abrupt end to my clinical career. I was done. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of a sudden, I could only see out of the right uh, portion of my loop and I have no depth perception or a visual so it, it put an end to my clinical career, and that was very sad, too. Um, in my own dental practice, the, before my injury occurred, while I was still practicing, a, a kooky thing happened with my dental assistant. She was not wearing eye protective eyewear at the time, and that is because she did not expect splashes or sprays to be generated. She was not being exposed to potentially infectious materials or bloodborne pathogens or flying so she she was merely setting up the operatory. And what happened is she uh, took a cannula of etchant, which is 35% phosphoric acid, and a little uh, a clump of etchant, if you will, uh, was clogged in the cannula. So she pushed, 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 squeezed hard enough etchant uh, splurted on out and, of course, went right to her eye. Um, okay. And and that was pretty scary because it was completely une- unexpected. And uh, mm-hmm. what we did is immediately took her to the eye wash station. Uh, fortunately, my office was very compliant with eye wash stations, and we were um, the OSHA mandates are that it's easily acceptable, accessible within 10 minutes, 10 seconds of a walking distance from where the injury uh-huh. should occur to the eye wash station, that the temperature is tolerant, and then you flush your eye out for a good 15 minutes. And she mm-hmm. thought that was overkill. And I remember as the uh, washing procedure was occurring, she said to me over and over again, are we done yet? My eye feels fine. Can we go now? And I said, no, we're only at five minutes. Nope, we're only at 10 minutes. And at 15 minutes, I, I let her stop. And then I still uh, proceeded to have her follow up with uh, the local emergency department anyway. I was able to retrieve the safety data sheet on our local etchant, make a copy of it, send her with a buddy, another team member from the office who drove her, and then the ER physicians were able to look at that chemical and determine what treatment, if any, was necessary. Um, Fortunately, as it turned out, we flushed the eye enough and they determined no more treatment or no further treatment was indicated, and she was a-okay. Phew! Um, But it was Close call and scary for me. Yeah. Well, I know, Jackie, you and I talked in the last episode about the need for an eye wash station, and you actually t- talked a little bit about this, not uh, Dr. Fluent's case, but you know, you used an example that was similar to that. So, yeah. <laughs> there there <laughs> is a need to routinely check the eye wash stations, ensure yeah. that they're functioning properly. And as Marie said, that it's uh, tepid water. Uh, it's even specified in one of the ANSI standards that it should be between 60 and 100 degrees Fahrenheit and that it can deliver that for 15 minutes, as Dr. Marie said. So there are some regulations on both the safety equipment uh, for uh, accidents that happen and having it within a easy accessible distance. Yeah, definitely. Well, Marie, let's 
drill down. Let's talk about what are the significant eye injuries that the orthodontic team are at risk for. Now, I know um, you gave me a list, and so let's start with the first one, which is clipping wires. It happens daily in the orthodontic practice. So what should the orthodontic team know about that? Well, um, orthodontic wire is considered a sharp. And if you clip that wire, it can fly off in every which angle, including your eyes. So you need impact resistant eye protection to protect against that. And I'm gonna stress over and over during our talk today that personal eyewear, personal glasses like I'm wearing now, are not considered PPE. You've got gaps mm -hmm. around the entire perimeter and debris yeah. can fly in at every which angle. So. Mm -hmm. well, Protection is needed, and clipping wires is one such example. Uh, they may or may not be contaminated. You may have tried them into the patient's mouth, may not have, but either way, there's a sharp tip on that, and they can go flying. Yeah. Okay. Well, the second one is chemical adhesives, especially acid etch. Right. And we already talked about that, that you'd never expect... Uh, accidents to occur but they do occur like what happened to me in my office and so anytime you are an OSHA does mandate that anytime you are um, handling chemicals or expect splashes or sprays to occur then you need to have your protective eyewear on and that incident that occurred in my office even though I didn't expect splashes or sprays to occur it changed my office policy from that point forth mm -hmm. when you're setting up the operatory you need to wear your eyewear Mm, okay, okay. And then debonding procedures. Now that's a, <laughs> happens every day as well. So let's it talk about does. that one. It does. And um, I, I'll share with you that I'm undergoing Invisalign myself. And so I've already been through bonding and debonding procedures. And that's very similar to operative procedures in the general dental office that you've got mm -hmm. a high speed handpiece that uh, the turbine can turn between 400 and 450,000 RPMs. And knowing what I know as a dentist, that my eyes were at 16 inches from the patient's mouth. And I know that because I was measured for loops once upon a time. And that the debris, um, composites, or any type of dental materials, or even a dental burr, can fly at you at 60 miles an hour at that distance. So you don't have time to duck, put up your hands, get out of the way. If you're going to be hit, you're going to be hit, and you better rely on your personal protective equipment to protect you. Yeah, and, definitely. And debonding procedures, uh, like as I went through my first debonding with my uh, Invisalign mm -hmm. procedure, uh, there was composite and um, uh, materials flying around, yeah. and I could feel it hit my face here and there. Oh, okay. Well, then I, I'll ask this question. Maybe I'll, I'll, I have a follow-up question that I'll ask a little bit later. Um, but let's talk about frequent cure light use. Now, I know that one um, you have a lot to say on. I do have a lot to say on that, and that's an area where I'm becoming very, very passionate about it. Um, dental curing lights through the years have become more and more intense. And of course, anything in dentistry and orthodontics, we want it quicker and easier. And that means more powerful lights um, and uh, light curing units and, and getting into dental materials and the wavelengths is a little bit beyond the scope of this uh, uh, talk today. But I can say that the average wavelength of blue 
blue light is in the 400 to 500 uh, nanometer range, and that is the most dangerous range for blue lights. Now, some of our dental materials cure at a higher point in that range, and some cure at a lower point, depending on the dental material that you're using, and I won't get into the gory details. But what you need to know is that whatever dental material you are using, it is best to match the curing light with that um, particular dental material so that it will surely cure that and cause the photopolymerization of the dental material. And then it's best to match your protective eyewear with the curing light that you're using. So ideally, if you're purchasing dental materials through a certain manufacturer, you buy the dental material or the composite that you're using or um, in the uh, gel and the bonding agent that is compatible mm -hmm curing light that's compatible with the eyewear. If you buy them all separate, you don't know if they're compatible or not. And that's okay. kind of scary. So for instance, you can go to your local box store and I'm not going to pick on Walmart, but I just happened to see some Walmart curing light glasses for $10. Now, will they protect against your curing light in that range and yeah. that I have no idea, and they're not FDA clear to prove that, and so you're just taking a big old risk. Mm -hmm. So uh, that that's and let's go back a little bit. That these light curing units they expose us to more blue light than we're already exposed to, and on a day to day basis, we all have read this in the news that we're exposed to lots of blue light in our daily lives, whether it be street lights, headlights from a car, computer screens, personal electronic devices, and then we switch over to the dental office or the orthodontic office, we've got our overhead lights that are LED lights, our light curing units, and if you're wearing loops with a headlight on it, that also is an LED light as well. So we're just bombarded with blue light and, um, and with a little bit of blue light exposure, it can lead to um, headaches, eye strain, um, a little bit of um, dryness in your eyes. But as you are overexposed to it chronically, and keep in mind that damage caused by blue light is accumulative. It just doesn't happen and then you're cured from it. The damage accumulates over a period of time. It can lead to macular degeneration type of symptoms where you yeah. can act lose the central portion of your vision similar to my eye and that area gray black or blurry even and once that happens it's completely irreversible and you've got it for life so it's very very important to understand these blue lights especially mm -hmm. curing lights especially the intense blue lights that we are exposed to today yeah no definitely so Let's talk then about what kind of eye protection is regulated by government agencies. Well, uh, let's back up to two seconds because there's like, several ways that you can protect your eyes from blue light okay. In, okay. in orthodontics and in dentistry. Um, okay. Manufacturers can provide goggles that you wear that are compatible with your curing light. There are little cones you could put onto the tip of your curing light, but the problem mm -hmm. with those they can become dislodged or you can have scatter radiation underneath it. Um, there mm. are paddles that can be used that um, the assistant may hold in place for the operator to perform the curing function. Um, and then there are little shields that you can attach to your curing light as well. The problem with the little shields are that they may protect the operator or the assistant, 
but not both because everybody's sitting at a different angle. So they're really, the best option if you're operating alone would be the amber colored goggles that are uh, included with your light curing unit and uh, consult with your manufacturer if you have to buy something aftermarket to make sure it is compatible. So there, are, and then another option that is not recommended at all is the look away method. In that method, you hold your curing light up, you look away, but inevitably you sneak a peek here and there, make, your cure, make sure your curing light is located where it's located. Don't laugh, it happens all the time. But <laughs> your eyes are exposed to that intense blue light and as I mentioned it's accumulative so I don't yeah. recommend it don't do the look away method at all your best bet are the amber colored goggles that are supplied with your curing light that is compatible with your with the dental materials that you are using are those goggles um, one size fit all or does each member of the team need to have something well, it depends. Um, it, it, try it on and see. And and I would experiment holding the light curing unit. Look up, down, look up and down, and make sure that you are protected from all angles. And if you have major gaps around the perimeter, then it's not a good size for you. And mm -hmm. I also want to stress that your patient should be wearing amber glasses as well, especially yeah. if they are a child. Um, mm -hmm. Children more photosensitive to the blue light range and patients who are on certain medications that might be photosensitizing would be more sensitive as well. And these would include estrogen, um, uh, tetracyclines, and, mm -hmm. and there's a list of them that your dental personnel should be aware of. And for those patients in particular, um, uh, some type of amber protection would be recommended. And of course, protection in general against flying debris. Um, That's the question I was going to ask. What are the requirements for patients with the like the debonding procedures where you said with the composite is flying around? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And patients should be provided protective eyewear to be worn during all phases of, of dental dental care. Silly things can happen. Etchant can fall in a patient's eye. Uh, there was one case that Jackie and I know about that occurred in a different subspecialty of dentistry during an uh, endodontic procedure where the assistant and dentist were passing a syringe and the contaminated syringe needle fell into the patient's eye. And who expects that to happen? Yeah. Don't. Yeah. It, that's why it's called an accident. And that's why um, the protective eyewear should be worn for patients in all phases of dental care. Okay. Okay. So then let's um, go back then to what is the, um, what is the eye protection that's regulated by government agencies? What should practices be doing? Well, CDC uh, recommends protective eyewear against splashes and sprays and a potentially infectious material for the dental provider, meaning the dentist, the assistant, hygienist, whoever is involved in clinical care and patient care. OSHA is mostly concerned with the employee health and safety, so they mm -hmm. do not specify eyewear for patient care. So that's where we really need to be listening to the CDC guidance as well. Okay. Then there are other agencies, uh, standard setting agencies uh, as well. And the one that comes to mind is NIOSH. Uh, there are NIOSH approved eye, um, eyewear that is available and um, ANSI standards, ANSI. 
American National Standards Institute, and they uh, give standards that are recommended how uh, protective to your glasses need to be, uh, what are the standards for the gaps around the perimeter, what is the impact resistance, what wavelength would they protect you against. They develop the standards for all of those, and the standards are updated uh, regularly on a, a, a year-to-year basis. Our most recent standards were the ANSI standards, and you can read this inside your protective eyewear, Z87 point, and then you follow it by the year. So the most recent updates occurred in 2021, where we addressed the bottom gap in goggles. If you look up and you see a bottom gap, if it has ANSI standard 2021, it is a little bit more closed on the lower portion and provides a tighter seal around the perimeter. So each year we might see updates, but in general, if you have protective eyewear that is stamped and labeled on the inside of the arm, that has the ANSI standards Z87 point and fill in the blanks, um, those provide adequate protection for you. And like I said, personal eyeglasses, not protective enough. Right. Yeah. So what if someone requires glasses? Well, OSHA mandates that if you are prescription lenses, that the employer provides two options for you to incorporate prescription into the protective eyewear or Mm -hmm. to provide protective eyewear that can fit nicely over your prescription lenses. And most offices choose that. Um, Now, the orthodontist office that I attend, um, I shared this in my uh, my handout. So if you have access to my boot camp handout from OSAP, look at the final This was my orthodontic assistant, and I I saw her glasses, and I went, those are awesome. And let (laughs) me see. And she did. She shared them with me and let me take her picture. And sure enough, they had the ANSI standard uh, stamp and the Z87 stamp on the internal component. They have a closed bottom gap. They're closed around the perimeter. They have adequate side shields. And her prescription lens is incorporated into the design of them. And there's a little bit of padding on, on the forehead portion. So it fits nicely against her forehead. And they're comfortable. They're clear. They're non-foggy, and if you add those up, she's compliant. She's compliant. She wears them, and that's yeah. the line. If they're uncomfortable, if they fog up, if they scratch easily, people are going to say, mm-hmm. mm, I'm, "I'm why bother? I don't yeah. want to deal with this." But yeah. if they are comfortable, clear, scratch-resistant, lightweight, and incorporate the prescription, you're more likely to be compliant. Yeah. Okay. Well, it sounds a little bit like our discussion about N95 masks, Jackie, where we were talking about like, if you can't, if you're not comfortable with one, go try something else until you find one that's comfortable so you'll wear it. So, yeah. Well, Marie, I know um, you co-authored a paper in JADA on eye safety. Can you tell us a little bit about um, that paper and where our viewers can find it? Sure. It was published. I was honored to be the lead author of this, um, honored or chosen. I'm not sure which you would (laughs) categorize that because it's a lot of work. It's a Mm peer-reviewed article. But it's an article. It's titled uh, Shedding Shedding Light on a New Hazard in Dentistry, uh, Mm -hmm. Light Curing Units. And um, my co-authors, I'm really, the process of writing is more exciting and impressive than the final outcome. <laughs> collaborating on this article was Dr. Jack Farrakane, who is one of our leading experts on dental materials. And he taught us a lot about uh, the actual chemical cure 
at um, um, how it occurs, photopolymerization. Uh, Dr. Richard Price, who is our leading world expert on light curing units, anything you wanted to know about a light curing unit, there he is. Um, then we brought in um, uh, Dr. Mace, who is a leading clinician in the Missouri area, and he addressed the need boy, And during clinical practice. This is what we're up against. And then finally, mm -hmm. to complete our uh, group, we brought in a retinal specialist, a physician, ophthalmologist from the University of Michigan Healthcare, who taught us about retinal damage, uh, particularly related to blue light. And she kept us on track with the current literature with blue light and what damages actually do occur. So the process of writing this article was very, very fascinating because we addressed this from a multidisciplinary approach and um, everybody added their two cents. And my my uh, passion, of course, comes from my own personal history and from uh, infection control and safety perspective as well. And I am have more familiarity with the regulatory agencies that impact patient safety and infection prevention. So mm -hmm. all of us put our heads together and uh, formed this article and then talked about light curing units. And I gave you the nutshell of the article, but of course there's a lot more details in mm -hmm. the article itself. Yeah. How to cure safely, what you're looking for, how to ensure compatibility between your dental materials and the light curing unit, what we're looking for in eye protection measures, what works, what doesn't work, and tips for uh, curing lights. And it's all pertinent to or the orthodontic setting as well. Um, so this was published in, um, uh, um, I'm sorry, August 2019, kind of right before the pandemic hit. So <laughs> Fortunately, I think it kind of fell through the wayside because we had uh, bigger fish to fry during the global pandemic. But it certainly does is a topic that has longevity and something that will be pertinent in the years to come as well. Definitely. Well, I highly recommend our viewers check that out. We will include a link in the notes below this uh, if you're watching the video version, the video version. Um, Marie, thank you so much for joining us and for breaking this down for our viewers. I really appreciate it. And Jackie, thanks for bringing this topic to my attention and inviting uh, Marie to join us. Well, it was an honor to have you join us and thank you, Dr. Fluent, for taking the time out of your busy schedule for it. And I hope that in the future, the AAO or maybe one of the component organizations schedules you for a comprehensive lecture on orthodontic eye safety, because you certainly have a wealth of information to share and protect our valuable vision. So thank you for today. Uh, protecting your vision and our vision, I might add, pun intended. <laughs> and I wanna thank both of you for the invitation to speak. It was an honor to be present and I, I look forward to future collaboration and our paths crossing again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And to our viewers, check back soon for the next episode of In the Sterilization Room with Jackie. In the meantime, to catch up with past episodes or to check out the latest orthodontic industry news, visit our website, orthodontoproductsonline.com. Until next time, take care and stay safe.